was 19, I finally asked myself if I was gay. And the answer was terrifying. The only other people who'd grown up at my evangelical church in Kansas who'd come out had left. It was like they'd been erased from the community. In my church, as in so many others, being gay and Christian wasn't an option. But I couldn't give up on my faith. I didn't want to lose my family or church either. So I left school to study the central question so many gay Christians face. How could I reconcile my sexual orientation with what the Bible says about same-sex relations? This book answers that question. It's the culmination of four years of research, synthesizing for a popular audience the key insights of biblical scholars about the six references in scripture to same-sex behavior. It's also a personal story, describing how my study of those passages changed my dad's mind about same-sex relationships. And more than that, it's a blueprint for how other Christians can come to affirm same-sex marriage while also affirming their commitment to the full authority of the Bible. God and the Gay Christian is a book for gay Christians and their supporters who want to make a difference in the church. It's for their family members and other Christians who feel like they can't support LGBT people and stay true to the Bible. And it's for those outside the church who want to dialogue respectfully and persuasively with Christians who oppose marriage equality. At its core, this book is about building a future in which all Christians come to affirm their LGBT brothers and sisters and where no one ever has to have that realization be terrifying again. Well, welcome to Prophetic Whispers. This is Elias Flores. And, I'm, and again, we're touching the topic of Christianity and homosexuality. How did we get here? Now we have books being written and pushed through the church systems. Um, uh, God and the gay Mar God and the gay Christian. Wow, what a, I mean, I growing up in church, that, that was not even, that was not even, uh, part of the ideology of the church you know that that was just that was just a non non-effect how did that how did that happen well it, it happened through the 70s and the 80s and the 90s through the academic system through the political system and uh through the educational system and now you have a young guy like this matthew vines which is happens to be the tip of the spear when it comes to to selling a, a narrative to the church, giving information to the church regarding sexual orientation. Okay, that, that we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit uh, in another episode when we start talking about orientations, what orientations mean. Okay, because they may not mean what you think they mean. And so we're going to get down into what they really mean. Okay, and should we take orientation serious? You know, and is orientation proof? How I feel, how I feel, how I feel more. Is that who I am? So again, we're going to get into all that a little bit later, but we are going to be addressing again because they have their their doctrinal book, God and the Gay Christian, and he uses this uh, this terminology of there's only six or theological concepts. There's only six scriptures that that deal with homosexuality out of out of the thousands of scriptures. There's only six that deal with it. Well, you know, I I beg to differ with that. You know, I beg to differ the fact that. Uh, that the Bible is full of scriptures, full of scriptures that that go against the model of the gay Christian and same-sex marriage, you know. And Jesus has plenty to say about that. And again, we're going to be looking at um, a few questions today on the on the podcast. Um, did Jesus ever address homosexuality? Okay, that's gonna be that's gonna be our first question we're gonna take on today, and it's you find that answer in Matthew chapter five, not and Matthew chapter nineteen, where they ask Jesus regarding regarding the 
the uh, the the sanctity of marriage, or can a man can a man divorce a woman for anything? And where does Jesus go? He goes directly to Genesis. Now, and, and I want and I want to help you with this. Anytime you start to try to justify marriage outside of Genesis, you're in trouble. You're in the wrong worldview. And this is what same-sex marriage has done. It takes you completely out of the garden. It takes you completely out of the origins of the Word of God. It takes you completely out where we gain our where we gain our man, man and woman relationship, where we gain our creation, where we gain it all, where we where it all comes together. Part of the part of the um, the LGBTQ uh, community's message is to pull you away from Genesis, get you out of there. But look how Jesus answers that. He answers the question of marriage between a man and a woman. And he even pulls uh, Genesis chapter uh, 2, 1 and 2, right? When he says, um, when he says that a man shall leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife. So he goes from one family to another. So family is everything. What do you think the Marxists are trying to do in the country? Get rid of and destroy the nuclear family. Know, know what we're dealing with. Okay, Look at what the LGBTQ community is trying to do. Destroy the nuclear family. A husband and a wife and children. That is the procreation line of God. That's how God commanded things to go. Husband, wife, children. And then children... To whether boy or girl, to a husband or to a, to to another man, another woman, and we continue to procreate and we continue to go. Why do you think that there's such a big issue in our nation with oh, don't have babies, don't have children, don't have don't no procreate. We need to procreate. We need to procreate. We need to grow. This is important. This is really really important. Where people have bought into the lie that you know. You know, the world is a bad place. No, no, it's a great place. It's a wonderful, it's a God-ordained place. The earth is the Lord's and, and all that dwell in it and the fullness thereof. There's plenty. Don't believe the lies of, of the philosophers and men. Come on, they're, 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 the wisdom is flimsy. They're still, they're still out there with the climate climate change and climate, you know, everything's going to fall apart and, and we only got 12 years to live and, and cut it out. Stop, stop. Okay, that's the wisdom of men. Okay, the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. So when you look at this topic here of marriage, okay, when you look at marriage, when you look at between husband and wife, Jesus was all there. Jesus spoke regarding homosexuality in his identification of what marriage is. It's between a man and a woman. The Pharisees also had the same idea because can a man divorce a woman or his wife okay they even had it it was part of the culture so to say that this was not norm these are not biblical norms is, is to ignore is to ignore the bible completely so you can't you can't get your understanding of marriage and man and wife you can't get it from the culture because they want to take you outside the bible you know, UK that you get you get into Darwinisms. You get into you get into all the philosophies that you came from. You you you, you know you you're just stardust. Of, you know, coming together. You get you get all kinds of crazy stuff. And said God created man 
and woman. He created them. So God created men and woman. Period. So Jesus knows this. So when they ask him this question, Matthew 5 and Matthew 19, he gives a rooted understanding of marriage. Think about that. He gives a rooted understanding of marriage. He pulls it directly from Genesis for the purpose of procreation. What's procreation? Growth, multiplication, have children to move on. Okay, when you have Noah, okay, you have Noah. Noah gets off the boat, gets off the ark. The first thing, the first thing he does, the first thing God tells him, be fruitful, multiply. <laughs> Same thing he told Adam. Why? Because procreation. Number two, it's for illustration. It shows a picture of the bride and the bridegroom. It shows that picture. It's an illustration. It's to illustrate the garden. It's to illustrate that God made man for woman. And the family is a portrait of God's idea for humanity. And finally, sanctification. What that means is that it sanctifies. You're sanctified. You separate yourself for each other. That you're that, See, because within sanctification is transformation the two becoming one it's a journey of changing it's a journey of meshing together it's a journey but sanctification is necessary because you must separate yourself for each other so it so marriage is illustrated completely in the life in the mouth of jesus when he refers all the way back to genesis to explain have you not read? Have you not read? That's what he says in Matthew 19. Have you not read what the Bible says? That, that in the beginning God created man for woman. And then goes on to later says, in the, And uh, he shall leave his mother and father and, and all that good stuff that he pulls from Genesis chapter 2. So again, you have to understand that marriage is solidified in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2, and stay in the Bible. If you're going outside into the scientists, if you're going into the psychologists, if you're going into all these crazy where they're trying to invent things, guess what? You're lost. You're lost. You're lost. So when we start looking at this thing, we must understand that Jesus was rooted. Jesus rooted his understanding of marriage in Genesis chapter 2 for the purpose of procreation, illustration, and sanctification. What God has put together, let no man put asunder. Okay? Or let no man separate. Do not separate this. Look at this. That, that was, that's why he made um, a man and a woman so that they can fit together. They can fit together. Okay? If you all you gotta do is live long enough and you know how you know what a man has and a woman has. And that's this confusion that's entered into all of a sudden we don't know what a man is. You know, we don't know what a man is, we don't know what a woman is. We'll decide later. This, this feminizing of men and this masculine masculinizing of women, this confusion. Therefore, God is the author of marriage, not man. Therefore, man does not have the right to recreate or reinvent marriage. And that's what this society has done. That's what President Obama did when he made when he made federal law into this this thing and the courts, you know, in 2008, 
you know, um, we voted down against same-sex marriage here in California, Proposition 8. And a court overruled the will of the people. That's how they got this thing done. See, judges are corrupt. And it doesn't matter if man says this is, we're, we're going to sanction this. God does not sanction same-sex marriage, nor does he sanction homosexuality, as we will continue to find out. Now, again, some, some people say, well, Jesus, okay, because that's point number one, okay? Did Jesus mention homosexuality? Well, yes, he did. By explaining what man and woman was in Matthew chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 19. Number two, the other argument they have is that Jesus never addressed homosexuality. And I'm saying, okay, this is how he addressed it. Okay, number one, here's your theological point. Jesus is part of the Godhead. That is Colossians chapter 2, four, nine, uh, chapter, Colossians 2 verse 9. He says, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead. There's the unity of the Godhead. There is the divine unity. It's part of, it's, it's part of the Yahweh, the one God, three essence, the Trinity. Let us make man in our image. He was right there. He is the God of Leviticus. He is the God of Genesis. He's the God of all the Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You cannot separate God from the Father. God from the Spirit. And that's what they seek to do. They try to separate the, the right side of the Bible from the left side of the Bible. They, they, they want to they just say, you know what, uh, the Old Testament is good, the, the, uh, the Old Testament is bad, the New Testament is good. And Jesus, never, no, you can't do that. You know, when in his introduction, well, you know, you know, scholars, what does that mean anymore? That means they study the wrong things? They come to the wrong conclusions? So when I look at when I look at this here, and they try to say Jesus had nothing to say about homosexuality, therefore we don't. What we are saying is that Jesus is disunified and was not in agreement with what happened in Genesis chapter 18, Genesis chapter 19, where he was there. We're going to get into that one today so that you understand that Jesus was there. In Genesis chapter 18 and 19. So those that say, well, you know, Jesus never had anything to say about, about homosexuality. Well, let's take a good look at it. Let's not be afraid of looking at the text and the script. And so we're going to take a walk real quick through Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's look at Genesis number 1 first. Genesis chapter 13, 12 and 13 says this, Abram dwelt in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So they were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord. So Lot goes into that sinful situation away from Abraham and they sinned against the Lord. Okay, so Sodom, where you get sodomy, which means actions against nature, unnatural affections. That's where that whole thing comes from. He says, he says, but the men, but the men, well, I didn't say the women. It said the people. It says the men. Because this was a community that was not growing correctly. 
This was a community that was not procreating. Watch this. But the men of Sodom were exceedingly wicked, wicked and sinful against the Lord. Now, it doesn't get into all the other... But as we get into uh, Genesis chapter 19, guess what? Guess what? You find out exactly what the wickedness was. All right? So let's take a good look at this. Okay? Genesis chapter 18. Don't forget. This is where, where God comes down. Jesus comes down. That's why I said Jesus was right there. Jesus was with, with Abraham. Read Genesis chapter 18. He comes down and, and Abraham goes and, and, and brings him in and cooks for him. And, and, and Sarah lies and says that she didn't laugh when, when, uh, when, when the Lord told her. Don't forget the Lord. The Lord, Adonai. Don't forget the Lord, Yahweh. Elohim. Okay? And in theology, when you have the, the Lord, okay, or you have the angel of the Lord, or the Lord, then it appears it's either a theophany, God appearing in the flesh before, before Bethlehem, or God or Jesus Christ, a Christophany, appearing in the flesh before, in the form of an angel, in the form of a man, Melchizedek, etc. You can go down the list of theophanies and Christophanies. So this is a Christophany where Christ came down. How do you know that? Because in the book of John, when Jesus was, was, was saying, if you destroy this temple and I'll build it up in three days, he said, <laughs> they go, oh, you're crazy. You know, you're children of Abraham and the whole discussion that was going on. And Jesus said something really that blew their mind. He says, before Abraham was, I am. Abraham longed to see, rejoiced to see my day. So here you have Abraham, Jesus appearing to Abraham. In Genesis chapter 18. And Abraham rejoiced to see Jesus. And this is what's important for you to wrap your mind around. Because when they say, Jesus had nothing to say. Well, he goes, well, what are you here for? He goes, well, I just sent my two angels down there to go see if, if Sodom was as bad as they say it is. And then, and then Abraham... This is 18. I'm paraphrasing it so we can move real quickly. So Abraham turns around and he says, oh, Lot's down there. Hey, if for 50 people, because Jesus, Jesus lets him know, I'm going to blow that place up. That, that, uh, what they're doing is unnatural. It's unholy. They're, 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 it is, it is um, an abomination to me and I take care of abominations. So guess what happens? Guess what happens? Abraham starts going, hmm, Lot's down there. I got to save Lot. Hey, if there's 50, if there's 40, if there's 35, and he starts counting down, God's going, oh, no, I won't do it for that. I won't do it for that. Okay, if there's 10. I said, okay, not if there's 10. God knew that the men of that city were wicked. They were sodomites. They were doing sodomy, which was unnatural, unlawful, abomination. And guess what happens? Well, read what happens. Stay in the text. That's Matthew, That's uh, Genesis chapter 18 that I just kind of narrated for you, that discussion. Now watch this. 
says, now the two angels came, verse 1, we're going to read this and then I'll just give you a, a synopsis of this and then we will move on because I want to lock this in for you, okay? Now, the two angels uh, came to Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting at the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them and he bowed himself with his face towards the ground. And he said, "How here now, my, my lords, please Turn to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go your way. And they said, no, but we will spend the night in in the open square. But he insisted strongly. <laughs> in other words, he said, man, you're in the hood, man. So he said, no, 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 man, you don't understand. You don't understand. So obviously Lot knew the behaviors of these men. Obviously, Lot knew the culture. Obviously, Lot knew that the center square was not a safe place to be. Why? Because of the men. Watch this. Okay? He says, and they said, no, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strong, strongly, strongly. That's another key word. So they turned to him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all, listen, the men of the city, both old and young. So here you have, here you have Matthew Bynes, a 19-year-old. I just decided old and young. Old and young. I don't care how eloquent you are. This, this gay thing, it's falling right in here. He says, he says, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. They, they came around the house. They knew where they were. They knew where the fresh meat was. Watch this. He says, and they called, and they called Lot and said to him, where are the men who came out at night? Bring them out to us so that we may know them. We may know. That word, that Hebrew word, yada, know, means to intimately, you know. And Abraham knew Sarah. And Adam knew Eve. Okay, Isaac knew. You get it. To know means to have intimate relationship, sexual relationship with. That's what that word, and he knew. Yada, Y-A-D-A. Okay, he says that we may know them carnally. In other words, they were going after these men. Watch this. So Lot went out to them through the narrow doorway, shut the door behind them and said, please, my brethren, do not do wickedly. So now I have two daughters. Listen, he offers his daughters. He says, don't do anything to these angels. I know who they are. I know they're sent from God. I know the purpose and why they're here. Don't take them. These are, these are, these are strangers. These are these are guests of mine. This is this is part of the this is part of the hospitality. You're breaking all the hospitality. We're going to get into that because there's some say that see Sodom and Gomorrah was not destroyed because of uh, because of homosexuality in sodomy. It was destroyed because of hospitality. They weren't nice. Well, they weren't nice, but they were also okay. That's the, that's the second piece. Watch this. So now I have two daughters who. Who have not known a man, please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason that they have come under the shadow of my roof. 
So they said, no, take my, take my girls. Take my, um, I don't know how you do that, but Lot was there. Lot says, hey, take my girls. Why did they reject the girls? Because they had unholy passions. Okay, read Romans chapter 1. Gives you a better picture. When you don't retain God in your knowledge, you don't retain Him. Your mind becomes reprobate. Worthless. And you, ha- and you give yourself over to all the passions of your life. Listen, even, even in, you know, just a little caveat for you, okay? The scholars and the teachers of the first and second century, you know how they would guide their passions? Through truth. You have to kill your passions that are unholy, that are, that are not right. You can't act on every emotion you feel. You have to, you have to temper it with truth. Oh, I just woke up and I just realized that I didn't feel like a man today. I felt like a unicorn. Therefore, I'm a unicorn. Cut it out. Stop. Put it with truth. What's the truth? I am man. I can look at my body and know that I'm a man. I'm different from a woman. Women have things that men don't. Men have things that women don't. And there's my Yorkie again. Watch this. And they said, stand back. That, then they said, this, this one came in staying here. Stay here. And he keeps acting as a judge. <laughs> they said, Lot, Lot, who do you think you are? That now they're coming after Lot. Okay? Now they're coming after Lot. Because now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man and Lot. And came near to break the door down. <laughs> These guys were persistent. But the man reached out their hands and pulled Lot pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the man with uh, they struck the man who were there at the door of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to get through the door. So they were so but he struck them with blindness. This is a picture of the culture. Blind, passion, weary. Trying to fulfill their desires. This is the LGBTQ community. This is the force and movement against the church. Now we know what happened to it. Because people don't think that Jesus had anything to say with it. That Jesus was was okay with this. No, he was there. He was the one raining fire down from heaven. Watch this. Okay? Because if you don't think that this is an important story to know about the culture, about things, then Isaiah uses it. For Jerusalem 3, 8, 9. Listen, for Jerusalem stumbled and Judah has fallen because their tongue and their doings are against the Lord. To provoke the eyes of His glory, the look on their countenance witnesses against them. And they declared their sins as Sodom and they did not hide. Woe to their souls for they have brought evil upon themselves. What was the sin of Sodom? It wasn't hospitality. That was just, that was, that was, that was just salad dressing. The meat and potatoes of the thing was the homosexuality. Was the lust of the flesh. Jeremiah, Jeremiah, these are major prophets using Sodom as an example of what not to do. 
as in the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, the, and their neighbors, says the Lord, no one shall remain there, nor shall a son of man dwell in it. In other words, God doesn't want you anywhere near homosexuality. I will destroy it. I'm getting rid of it. Nobody dwells there. So nobody should dwell there. Jeremiah 50, 40. As God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah and the neighbor and the neighbors, says the Lord, so no one shall reside there. So it looks like it looks like Jeremiah, oh Jeremiah 50 repeats himself. 49, no one will dwell there. 50, no one will dwell there. Amos chapter 3, I like this one. Amos chapter 3, 11. I overthrow some of you as God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah, and you were like a firebrand plucked from the burning. Yet you have not returned to me, says the Lord. So there is a turning from God. Again, when when Matthew Vines sits there and says, Well, I did a lot of theological study and a lot of scholarship, and this will help change your mind. No, we're not interested. Not interested. We're not interested. Because no matter, you have the example of Sodom and Gomorrah. You have the example of Genesis. You have the example, the biblical theological examples. I don't need, I don't need the, the, the advice of a scholar that's looked in all the wrong places. Now watch this. Ezekiel chapter 16, 48 through 50. Watch this. This gets, this, this gets a little bit better okay, for you to understand. Okay, here's Ezekiel. As I live, says the Lord God, neither your, sister, neither your sister Sodom nor your daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did they strengthen their hand of the poor and of the needy. So that is where they get the idea that, you know what, they weren't nice, they weren't hospitable, they didn't take care of the widows, they didn't do, they, they, they were in hospital. Yes, that's one thing, but watch this. And they were haughty and committed abomination. What was their abomination? It's homosexuality. The men in the city. Young and old. Young and old. Coming about before me. Therefore, I took them away as I saw fit. Wow. Jesus didn't have anything to say with that, right? You know, this is, this is how important Sodom and Gomorrah was. This was the model for homosexuality and the church. And the Christian. Them trying to make the Bible say something it doesn't say. Matthew chapter 10, 14, 15. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from the house of the city. This is Matthew now. Okay. Shake off the dust from your feet. Assuredly I say unto you, it will be more tolerable for the land for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than it is for that city. So again, Sodom and Gomorrah is used as a model. Matthew 11, 23, 24. Capernaum. And you, Capernaum, who exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, and Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in that day than in judgment for you. There's Sodom used again. So why aren't they, why isn't the LGBTQ community using this? Why isn't Matthew Vines using this? Except for the twisting, probably because I haven't read the material, probably using hospitality as as the excuse, if he even re refers to it, because he's 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 off trying to twist the message. Second Peter chapter 
2 verse 4 through 8. This is a this is a, a very explicit again. Why is this theme of Sodom and Gomorrah all the way through the book of Revelations? You better pay attention to it. You better look at the results of it. I don't care what I don't care. Well, she's my aunt, it's my uncle, it's and he got it and, and so you try to start making the Bible say things it doesn't say. Second Peter 2 4, 4 through 8. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into the chains of darkness to be preserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, he didn't spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight, one of the eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes. What did he turn them into? Ashes condemned them to destruction, making them a, an example to those who afterward would live ungodly. Hmm, I wonder. Listen, listen. You're going to keep preaching Peter too? You're going to keep quoting Matthew? You're going to preach out of there and deny this model, this motif? He says, who live ungodly and delivered righteous lot. What, listen to this. This listen. This is this is where the church is right now. This is where so many Christians are struggling. We're like Lot. We're like Lot. Watch watch the description. Delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. You know what? We don't like it. You just don't have any answers for it. It affects your mind. You start thinking of ways you can accommodate and 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 just kind of just kind of you know go with the flow with it. It it, it bugs you, but you know what? You you've been you've been uh, you've been desensitized. Lot it was vexing him, vexing him. He went into a, uh, an environment that wasn't conducive to righteousness. He he was he was with all the wrong crowd, and it started and and their filthy conduct. I like the filthy conduct of the wicked, for the. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteousness. See, we are tormenting our righteousness. We know it's wrong intuitively. Spiritually, we know it's wrong. And we're being tormented by that because we don't have the guts to walk away. We don't have the guts to sit there and say, as for me and my house. Because God said. We torture ourselves trying to figure out how we can accommodate the culture or accommodate maybe a loved one that's struggling with this and we're trying to trying to make, make ways in where there's only one way, that is Jesus Christ and His blood and the transformation that comes through accepting Him as your personal Savior and going through the process with Jesus. Watch this. He says this. He goes, torment his righteous soul from day to day by the seeing and the hearing of lawless deeds. See, we see it and we hear it and we just continue. And we know it's wrong, but we won't say nothing. But we just see it. We live in it because we're happy to live in it. We don't like the water. We just don't mind being wet with it. That's where they got us. We're desensitized. It comes through our TVs. It comes through the music. It comes to... You look at some of the movie stars, you can't even, or some of the, 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 the rap singers, not the rap singers, but the R&B singers, you can't even tell if they're boy. You have to look twice. I can name a few of them. Where you, Disney. Disney does a wonderful job of wondering, making an animated cartoon. You can't tell whether it's a boy or a girl. Why? Because they're trying to bring in this homosexual movement. How do you do that? By causing confusion first. What's the confusion? Is that a boy or a girl? 
Is that rat a boy or a girl? You can't tell because they make them sound similar. They feminize the male and they, they, mascul- they make masculine the female. And it, brings, and it brings confusion to our children. But we keep watching, no, torments our soul. They don't come out and say, this is a homosexual. This is, they don't come out like that. We're going to get into all that process as we continue to go on this topic. I think it's very interesting and we need to have an answer for it. He says, for that the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day. This is why I'm bringing this topic up. This is why we're discussing it. You may not like it or agree with all the points, but guess what? We have to have this discussion because your soul is being tormented. How do we make sense from the message that they're putting out there? How do you, how do you sanct, sanct, uh, uh, sanction a marriage that God did not, does not sanction in His Bible? And finally, I'll finish with this one for today. Jude, the little brother of Jesus. Now, don't forget Sodom and Gomorrah because this is all about them. This is, they are the example and the model that's carried all the way through, all the way into the book of Revelations. You'll find Sodom and Gomorrah in the book of Revelations. All the way through. You find it in the Gospels. You find it in the Epistles. You find it everywhere. Why? Because it is a warning against this type of behaviors. Okay, watch this. Now Jude 5, 5 through 7. Okay, two verses. Bear with me. Says this, but I want to remind you, though you once knew this, the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe, and the angels who did not keep their first domain, but left their own abode. Abode, he was, he has reserved an everlasting chains under darkness for the judgment of the day of the great of the of the day of the great day, as now watch this as Sodom and Gomorrah. And the cities around them in similar manner to these, having given themselves, giving themselves over. That's a Pauline term, Romans chapter 1. And he gave them over to sexual immorality and gone after strange flesh. Come on, bestiology. You go women on women. That, that's all that strange stuff. Men to men. That's all strange. That's all strange this is the sodomy this is the the immorality the 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 inhumane acts the unnatural actions he goes and set for an example suffering the vengeance of eternal fire so there's eternal fire for it sodom and Gomorrah. so when they start sitting there and start saying god and the gay christian i don't know what they're talking about okay i don't know what they're talking about because everything is about is about procreation, illustration, and finally sanctification. And so we need to wrap our minds around this. And so I pray you enjoyed this 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 model that we went through with with Sodom and Gomorrah. It's from Genesis all the way through Revelation. The prophets used Gomorrah as a Sodom and Gomorrah as a as a landmark of what not to do. We go all the way through Matthew. Of what not to do. It's a landmark. And we go all the way into the epistles. Peter writes about it. Uh, Jude, the little brother of Jesus, writes about it. And the book of Revelations writes about And you'll find Sodom and Gomorrah in there. You have to understand the dangers of this type of what I would call assault in the church. Okay, it's an assault in the church. See, I'm not concerned about, I'm not concerned about Hollywood. I'm not concerned about, I'm not concerned about you know, you know the media and, and, and their ideas. And, and they're supposed to do that. They're sinners. They're blind. 
But what I'm concerned about is those of us that are that are in the foxholes and we're fighting, that we got this millennial generation that that's not nice. We have to figure out that's not that's you know God wouldn't send anybody to hell. Or that's unloving or love is the highest love is the highest um, form of emotion. Therefore, if God lo- God is love, then He loves all of them. He would never do that. Okay. It's those guys that should be fighting with us that they're throwing hand grenades at us. And they've joined the other side and they're in the foxholes with us with the Bible. You know, you, you can tell what Matthew Vine says. Oh, I, you know, I've searched the scripture faithfully and I went to the scholars and I, I want to maintain a biblical integrity as if, uh, cut it out, stop. Stop throwing bombs in our foxhole. You're either for us or you're against us. Either Sodom and Gomorrah is a model of what not to be. And the model that you're saying, it's godly, it's okay, it's a, it does not fit the biblical model of the Bible. So God bless you. We love you. Keep on pushing, man. Keep on pushing, keep on reading, keep on studying. God is good. And no more 11th commandment Christian mentality It's not nice, okay? And Jesus had a lot to say about homosexuality. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.